Praise the Lord. This message today, please stay with me with this message, because this message is a powerful prophecy for this church. And so hear every detail of this message, because God um, God is speaking very clearly. This isn't my message and my words. This is somebody that's emptied themselves out. I poured myself out before God and just said, God, um, what is your vision for this church? And what are you doing in this church? And God is faithful if you ask. God will fill you up with His vision. And God will fill you up with His prophecy. And God will speak directly to you as an individual and directly to this church. So please, if I feel like I'm losing this church at all, I'm going to stop and I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to bind every distraction. And in last week's message, um, as it usually is, when I feel like I preach the worst message of my life, I get the most response from the people. So last week's message was a foundation. God showed me it's a foundation for what we're preaching this week. So, so be ready. Last week we talked on fear. And um, today we're going to be studying in 1 Samuel chapter 21, if you'll turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I'm going to read a little bit here. I'm not going to get in a hurry because I know God wants to deliver a great message to this church today. All right. I'm going to read a whole chapter here, so just be, bear with me and pay attention to the details of this chapter. David went to Nob, that's the name of a priestly city, to Abimelech. Abimelech is a name, it's like Pharaoh, it's like Caesar. It's the name of a king of these nations. They call them all Abimelech, okay? So he went to Abimelech, the priest. I'm sorry, yeah, Abimelech, the priest, okay. I'm reading a different chapter here. Abimelech was the priest in the city of Nob, okay? Abimelech trembled when he met David. And he asked, why are you alone? Why is nobody with you? David answered Ahimelech, David answered Ahimelech, the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Why do you have, what do you have on hand? So David is actually going to this priestly city. And just to give you a little background, David is on the run. Uh, Saul is desperately trying to kill David. Um, he wants to wipe David out. He's just full of jealousy and rage. And so he's chasing David. And David really uh, just has to immediately leave. He doesn't have anything with him. So he goes to Nob to talk to the priest Ahimelech. I'm sorry, I got confused. Ahimelech comes up in a minute. But Ahimelech, um, he's asking, basically David has nothing. So he goes to Ahimelech and, he, and he's asking him for bread. He basically wants something to eat because he had to quickly escape because Saul was about to kill him. So he asked for food, and not only food, he just asked for anything that would protect him from Saul. Okay, now these now pay very careful attention because God's going to really speak through this. Um, so he tells him, so so he's not he says Saul actually sent him so that he wouldn't suspect anything. He said, yeah, Saul sent me on a mission. It's top secret, so please help me. So David's lying here. And David, this is a period of David's life where he's going to be in deep depression. Okay, And God is really testing David to try to see 
he's trying to make David. David has been anointed already to be king. And, and God is trying to prepare David to be the king of his people. So as he goes to Ahimelech, he asks him for bread. Um, the priest says, David says in verse 3, Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever you can find. But the priest answered, David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there's some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David said, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's things are holy, even on the missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread. Since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence of, of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day that it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day. Detained before the Lord, he was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? Now listen to this. He says, I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon with me because the king's business was urgent. He was actually urgently leaving because he was... Saul was trying to kill him. So he didn't even, he left so quickly, he didn't even have a weapon to protect himself. He says, Do you have anything on hand? The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. Now, what you have to understand as I begin to tell this story, this priestly city was really near where David grew up at and where he lived, okay? So they surrounded the city, they were going to kill him. Now follow all the details. So David goes to the nearest uh, priestly city, which is really close. Now remember when David was a little kid and he fought the giant Goliath? David was delivering food to his brothers from his home. Okay, He was, a, he was basically an insignificant brother. Uh, he knew in the Valley of Elah his brothers were, so he was taking them food. Okay, So this is the same area where this priestly town is at. And then right across from the priestly town um, in Judah, the priestly town is called Nob. Okay, there's a whole town of priests. Right next to that is a town called Gath. Now Gath is the birthplace of Goliath. So the reason why this whole area sets up like this is Goliath would come from Gath with all the Philistines. He would go in the valley of Elah. Okay, and then David lived on the other side in Judah. And this priestly city of Nob was near that area too. So David runs immediately to try to save his life, runs to the city of Nob, lies to the priest, and he's scared to death. He's he's really afraid that Saul is going to destroy him, which Saul controls everything in that nation. He had real good reason to be afraid. And as he runs to Nob, he gives him a sword. And he said, yeah, the only thing we have here, wrapping a cloth underneath the priest's ephod, very holy place, okay, is the sword wrapped in a blanket of Goliath. Okay, so he hands him the sword. He said, take care of yourself with this. The sword whom you killed in the va- killed Goliath in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want to take it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. But David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. David wanted that sword. You know, that's a big sword he's carrying. And it's a very... Um, it's a sword that people would recognize because it's Goliath's giant sword. And actually, David had used it to, 
after he slayed Goliath, he cut his head off with his own sword. And then they kept the sword because God wanted him to remember that event. So anyway, David is afraid. He has a little bit of bread, no money, no clothes. Has a sword to help him protect himself from Goliath. And it says, that day, David fled from Saul. Do you see he's scared to death that Saul is going to kill him? He's running for his life, afraid. And he goes on and he says, That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Now listen to this very carefully. Isn't this David? He's in the Philistine land. Do you think the Philistines like David? Okay, the Philistines hate uh, his country and they especially hate David. Okay, David is not very popular because he defeated their champion, okay? So God sends him. Now what else is strange about this? Whose hometown is he in? Goliath's hometown. And what is he wearing on his hip? He's wearing his sword, okay? God has set David up. He set David up. Alright? You don't think God's in control. David definitely doesn't think God's in control. But God set him up. Put Goliath's sword in Goliath's hometown against their mortal enemy, and David walks in. Well, David, and this is what I want you to begin to see first. We talked about fear last week. Okay? Has fear ever gotten so a hold of you that it turned you into a madman or a mad woman? Have you ever just flipped out because of fear? Has something ever came upon you quickly and you said, oh no, I cannot trust God in this situation? And, and, and something's came up, maybe, maybe it's financial, maybe it's with your job, maybe it's with relationships. And I'm not talking about minor danger. I'm talking about major danger, okay? David has Saul on one side and an entire nation, his own nation, wants to kill him. He has no nation. He has no money, he has no food, he doesn't even have a weapon to protect himself. Okay, God has put him in a place here. So then he sends him to Gath with Goliath's sword, and he's trying to find he's trying to find safety in the with the Philistines. Wow, what a place God has put him in! And there's going to be a lot of times in your life God's going to put you in these places, and you're going to want to be afraid. You're going to want to be scared. And you're going to want to say, God, why did you put me here? Why did you do this to me? Do you not care about me? Do you not love me? And you're going to begin to see David is going to, uh, he's going to, he's going to swirl down into depression. He's, he's going to get to a place where he's a cowering, uh, fearful man. He's going to be a madman. In fact, God's going to take him from being a madman in a matter of, uh, a few weeks. God's, or maybe even a year. God, God's going to take him from being a madman to a mighty warrior. And God's going to take this man who's depressed and fearful and, and not able to even to stand up to anything in life, and God's going to do the same thing for you. The same God that's going to take David in this dire situation, he had a lot of things to be afraid of. It was not an easy situation. It looked like his life was going to end. So he goes into Philistine. I want you to see what happens when fear will grab a hold of you. David fled from Saul and went to the king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Now this particular dance and song is what got David in trouble. David didn't do anything wrong. But there were 
It would be like the top song in the land in that day. David was such a hero for killing Goliath that every woman in the land would sing this song. David has killed 10,000 and Saul has only killed a 1,000. And Saul would become a furious madman. It says he was galled in his spirit every time he would hear that song. Well, this song was so famous, the Philistines even knew the song. Okay, they were singing the same song. And they said, isn't this the one they sing the song to and they dance about? Saul has slain his thousands, but David tens of thousands. So David is a great hero, and Saul just hates him for that. And David is a humble, loyal man. I mean, he loves Saul. Nobody in the land was more faithful to Saul. Do you know he was even hired as the head of the secret service for Saul? Saul would send him out on his greatest missions, and nobody was more successful than David. And David was 100% loyal to Saul. He goes on and he says, David took their words to heart and was what? Very much afraid. That's not afraid and that's not much afraid. He's very much afraid. That's like afraid times two, right? So David is very afraid. You've got to recognize all these times David's afraid, okay? And it says, he was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath, so he pretended... All right, let me tell you something. In life, you're going to have panic attacks. You're going to have moments of fearfulness and you will begin to play a part. Whatever part you think is your best mechanism to deal with the stress of life, that's what you're going to pretend to be. And some of you will become slobbering idiots. Some of you will become madmen. Some of you will fall apart. And what God is saying is, I have a future for you. Listen to this message of David because I'm going to change you from a slobbering, mad idiot into a mighty warrior for God. And God is calling this church. You'll see this thing open up in a minute. And you're going to begin to see what God's going to do to this church. And David, look what he did. Because he was afraid and he thought that they were going to... Some of you have read ahead. That's why you're laughing. David pretended to be insane in their presence. He acted like a madman, making marks on the door like an animal. He's scratching the door like an animal. Okay? And he let saliva run down his beard. Akish said to his servants, look at that man. He is insane. Why did you bring him to me? Am I so short of madman in my kingdom that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? He's so crazy and fallen so apart and he's so gripped with fear that the greatest hero that Israel maybe ever had became a madman. He became insane. He embarrassed his God. You see that this is not the hero that we knew before. And how many of us in life, in fact, you look through the Bible and you see some of God's greatest people. God does not apologize for His people in the Bible. God doesn't make them look good. God shows us the good and the bad. And I see David and I see us in David. How many times have we failed? How many times have we not been the person that God wanted us to be in certain situations? How many times have we backed away and not trusted God and embarrassed ourselves? How many times have we regretted the way that we behaved in certain situations? And what God wants to do is He wants to take David's fear away. 
He wants David to be able to live his life without fear and he wants to completely remove it so David can rule and David can reign. Now let me tell you something today. God said that he has called his church to be priests. He said, I'm making a nation of priests and prophets. I'm making a nation, uh, I'm sorry, a nation of priests and kings. God says that we, all of us in this room that call ourselves by his name, God has made us priests and kings. It says we will rule and reign with Christ. Did you know that? So here's David. He's already been anointed at a very young age. Do you know that David was anointed king before he ever killed Goliath? Saul had been a wicked, he had turned his back on God. Um, he refused to walk in God. He refused to walk in the uh, favor of God. And Saul kind of turned his back on God. And Samuel finally said, in fact, Saul, let me, let me show you this. First Samuel chapter 18, turn there. I want you to see how Saul behaved just to show you the difference in fear. I'm just going to skip down through here. 18 verse 8 says, Saul was very, in fact, that, Go to seven. It says, as they danced, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. Not just angry, angry times one. Very angry. And it says, that refrain that they would sing galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but my kingdom? From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Anybody ever had a jealous eye on him? David's done nothing wrong. But Saul is walking around in fear. He's afraid he's going to take his kingdom. He's afraid he's going to take any glory. He's afraid he's going to take everything from him. David was so great in the eyes of God and Saul was rejecting God. And you know, this is what happens to us. We begin living for God and serving God and we get all kinds of people coming at us. All kinds of people coming after us. All kinds of people trying to knock us down. And uh, God says that, that Saul is a type of that. Saul had a jealous eye toward David. You go down to verse 12, it says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and he had left Saul. You know Saul is fearful of David because... The Lord left Saul, but he's all over David. He goes down a little farther. Verse 15. When Saul saw how successful David was, he was what? Afraid of him. You go down again. Verse 20, 25, I think. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michal, loved David... Saul became still more afraid of him. Do you understand that Saul is a wicked man and his entire life is based on fear? He's afraid everywhere that he goes. When David goes to the priestly city of Nob and Saul figures out David is there, what do you think Saul does? Saul goes to Nob and he begins to accuse all the priests of being against him. You're all against me. You all want my throne. You all this, you all that. Do you know that some of you live in fear every day like Saul? 
And God does not want us to live that way. We're going to begin to see David in a second. He, he begins to react totally different. And God removes the fear and makes him a mighty man. But Saul, everything he does, and God wants to release this church from every fear. Fear of being alone. Fear of relationships. Fear of loving people. Some people walk around afraid they're going to lose their children. Afraid they're going to lose their job. And God wants to take away fear of man. God wants to make us fearless Christians so we can accomplish a purpose. David, God wanted Saul to be a great king. But Saul would not release the fear. Saul would not walk in trust with God. And God wanted David to be the king. And God was trying to take every bit of fear that was in David's heart. Up until now, David was kind of naive. All right, David, in fact, let me show you. David was anointed... In 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is just a young boy. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10 to 13. It says, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Now see, God has just told Samuel that Saul is not going to be king anymore. That Saul turned his back on God. And God was going to find a man after his own heart. So he goes to this obscure family because God said, go down to Jesse's house and look for the one that I want to be the king because I know his heart. So he goes down to David, David's father, Jesse, and he says, Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are there, are these all of your sons? David was so insignificant, he wasn't even presented before Jesse because he thought, well, well, David's not the one, right? So David, he said, there's still the youngest son, Jesse answered, but he is tending sheep. Now, he's really young, okay? They call him a boy on here. I don't know how old he is, 17, maybe to 20 years old. He's really young. And it says, Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy and with a fine appearance and handsome features. I don't know why they they mentioned that, but he was handsome. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Now this is what I want you to see. From that day on... The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, upon David in power. Samuel then left to Ramah. From that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord began to come upon David in power. He still hasn't killed a giant. Now, I don't know at what point he killed a lion and a bear, but it says a little later, when he's getting ready to fight Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20, listen to David. He says, he's standing in front of Saul, begging Saul to let him fight Goliath, right? And here's somebody that God anointed. Now I want you to listen to this. The Spirit of God came upon him in power. That's us. I want you to begin to see yourself in these pages. David had the Spirit of God upon him, the same Spirit... The slay Goliath 
The same Spirit that did all the mighty, valiant things that David did, the same Spirit was poured upon us when we came to the Lord. The same Spirit of power is upon every person that calls Jesus their Lord in this place. And the Spirit of power is upon David and it's upon us. And David had this Spirit of power upon him and Goliath came from Gath. Goliath stood in the middle and Goliath was a massive athletic giant. Okay, Goliath was so powerful, nobody would fight him. And David in this chapter, David... In chapter 17, verse 20, he's begging Saul. He said, and all David is doing, David is a boy, okay? And David is delivering food to his brothers who are men, all right? They're fighting men. They were with Saul fighting. And he says, Saul, please let me fight him. And here's what David says in 20 to 24. Early in the morning, David left his flock with a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him to do. He reached the camp of the army. They were going out to battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran into the battle lines and greeted his brothers. They're like, go away. We're fighting the battle here. All right. And they were As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted the usual defiance. David heard it, and when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran. Now listen, the entire nation ran with great fear. You realize we've got a whole nation here that's scared to death and afraid to do anything? Do you know that you have a king over this nation that's so scared he can't even uh, look at David? He's trying to destroy David because he lives in fear. I'm telling you right now, the world that you live in lives in fear. The world that you live in feels like there's no way they can overcome the enemy. The world around you feels like there's no answer for alcoholism. They feel like there's no answer for drug addiction. And what God's trying to do, He's trying to raise somebody up that's not afraid. He's trying to raise somebody up that will stand up and not be afraid. The enemy is destroying. The Philistines were destroying this nation. The Philistines were powerful. And there was nobody, do you understand, the whole army of God. Not one person would stand up. Not one, but this young boy who had the power of the Holy Spirit all over his life. This young boy had enough faith to stand up and say, I'll fight him. And he wouldn't back down and the whole nation was afraid. So God has to rise, raise up somebody who won't be afraid. And God is trying to raise up every person in this church with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to begin to see it as we go along here. God is showing you how he raises up what's called David's mighty men. There may have been never, never have been a group of special operation people that were greater than David's mighty men. And God is raising him up right here. And he's trying to speak to his church. So David came in, and here's David's justification for fighting the giant. Verse 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping sheep. Wow. I'll fight Goliath. Why? I've been keeping sheep. He's a boy, okay? He's kind of naive a little bit, right? And he says... When a lion or a bear came out and carried off one of my sheep from my flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth 
When it turned to me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The lion which delivered me, the Lord that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me also from this Philistine. Do you see something in this kid? Where do you think Jesus got the name Lion of the tribe of Judah? David was the original lion. It was prophetic that somebody in the line of David would be a lion from the tribe of Judah, and that was Jesus. He was fearless. He'd go into hell and rip the gates off. He would, every demon that seen him would run away. David was a lion. David wasn't afraid. David rose up against the bear. He rose up against the lion, and he was not afraid of this giant. And what God's doing is He's pouring His Spirit upon His people. And this is the beginning of a warrior here. You want to write this down. This is the beginning. I'm going to teach you first. Now, what's he protected? The sheep. The sheep. The Bible says that we are sheep. And God's going to raise up people that are powerful, people that aren't afraid. And they're going to see the enemy like a lion trying to devour the sheep. They're going to see him devour the sheep. And God's going to raise up people in the church that says, no, that's not going to happen anymore. They're going to look around. They're going to say... The enemy is no longer going to destroy the sheep. David was, David was born a shepherd to learn how to take care of sheep. The most insignificant little animal. Do you believe he gave his life for a sheep? He gave his life because a sheep was going to be eaten by a lion. A lot of people would say, let the lion have him. I've got plenty more. But God raised up a man that cared for the sheep. He raised up a man that said, it's worth living my life for God. It's worth being overcoming Christian because I care about the sheep. I want to be an example for my children. I want to be an example for my community. I want to be a person who is a lion. I want to be a lion in this world. I want to devour the enemy. I'm not scared of the enemy. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of my finances. I'm not afraid of my relationships. I'm not afraid of being alone. God was raising a man up that had no fear, but here's the problem. David could defeat a lion. David could defeat a bear. Some of you are going to win battles and victories. And David up to this point was young and naive. He defeated the lion. He defeated the bear. He even defeated his giants. Some of you have overcome things in your life. You came to the Lord. He put His Spirit upon you. The Spirit of power was upon you. You defeated the lion. You defeated the giants. You defeated the bear. And now what happened? And this is where David's at. He's in a cave in Adullam. Do you see where he went? After he was a madman, look what he did. Chapter 22 of 1 Samuel. David escaped, left Gath and escaped. He escaped because he was a crazy man. Do you see? He was afraid. He was scared. All that, all that valor that he had as a kid, now he's laying in a cave, escaped because he was a fearful madman. And he's sitting in this cave in Adullam. He escaped and went to the cave of Adullam. And David, one of the greatest studies you can ever do is go chronologically 
In fact, type it in your Google search. Chronologically, David's Psalms and when he wrote them. David wrote about 70 of the 100 and, what is it, 150 Psalms? He wrote around 70 of them. And David, if you chronologically begin to go through all the Psalms that David wrote, and you correspond it with what happened to his life, you'll begin to see how David was feeling. I want you to turn. There's three Psalms that David wrote while in this cave. Don't you want to know what David was thinking after failing God? Because how many of us have failed God? Like, man, you know what? I intended to do this for God. I intended to be bold. I intended to be brave. I intended to be the man that God had called me to be or the woman God called me to be, but we fail. And David was like, I just want you to imagine how he felt. He won all these great victories. Some of you have won so many great victories for God, haven't you? Man, it it was glorious when you told the people around you that I'm going to live for God. It was glorious when God began to change and God began to do things. And all of a sudden, man, what? how does this happen? You're in a rut. And David was taken to a very, I don't know what it would be like to live in a cave, but he had nothing with him. And really no clothes, no food. He was kind of living off the land. He was in a cave. I mean, he had just been a madman. Um, he's running for his life. Enemies on both sides. So he's sitting lonely in a cave. Turn to Psalm chapter 56. This is the psalm that David wrote as he was leaving Gath. I want you to, you're going to have to see in these three psalms how David changes. Because God takes him from a madman to a warrior. And he has to do that to us. He's going to do that for this church. But we've got to pay careful attention to what David says. Listen to his heart here. Psalm chapter 56. If you have any kind of uh, subtitles before the psalm here, that was actually written in there. Mine says, The Dove on the Distant Oaks by David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. So David had just failed. This might be the lowest point in David's life, but he calls himself the lonely dove sitting alone in a tree. Crying out to God. Isn't that amazing? And he says, Be merciful to me, O God, for they hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanders pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am what? Afraid. Please, Holy Spirit, let, let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with your heart right now. When I am afraid, when I am afraid, when I am afraid, David is what right now? Afraid. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? You ever walked out of church and God filled you with His Holy Spirit and you begin to say, what can mortal man do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? God wants that Spirit And David, his spirit, God is working on that fear. It says, they conspire against me. They lurk. They watch my steps. They're eager to take my life. On no account, let them escape in your anger, O God. Bring down the nations. Remember, he's sitting in a cave writing this alone. No friends. No money. Not very much protection. 
Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Let my enemies turn back. I will, when I call for help, by this I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So David is beginning this journey to overcome fear. And you see, he's afraid. He's scared. He's saying, what can man do to me? And God is building him up in a cave. And here's the amazing thing. David goes in the cave a madman. But he comes out a king and a leader. So you've got to see what he's writing here. Now he goes to the next one. This is Psalm 142. Psalm 142, if you read the top of it, if somebody has a subscript there, it says, A mask ill from David when he was in a what? Anybody say that? In a cave. A prayer. He says, I cry about to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before you. Before Him I tell my trouble. My spirit what? Grows faint. Here's this man that... Now why did God do this? Why didn't God just let him float on a cloud to the king's throne? Why did God make David go through all this? David had already killed a lion, a bear, and a giant. And now here he was, scared to death in a cave, and he feels like he's dying. Have I ever been there? You ever been so depressed and so... You're like, man, am I even in God's will or am I even God's purpose? Am I even where God wants me to be? Well, in this cave, he was dark and it was alone. and He was scared and he didn't know what to do. And he said, God, I'm growing faint. I feel like I'm dying. And he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men men have hidden a trap for me or a snare. I look to my right and see, and nobody is what? Nobody's concerned for me. You ever been there? You ever been so depressed and then God is mad at you and God is against you and David is there. Feels like he's going to die. He says, nobody cares about me. Nobody's concerned about me. He's all alone. Lowest point of his life, he's failed God. But he's still crying out to God. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Now remember, we know how this story ends, right? Pretend like you don't. Because when you know how the story ends, it's not nearly as significant. But you got to remember that David did not know that he was going to be delivered. you got to remember that David was crying out to God just to live. He's saying, I just want to live. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. I don't even have a nation anymore. You know, the Philistines think I'm an idiot, right? Do you understand that he felt like he had failed God's purpose? God had anointed him at a young age to be the next king of Israel. He was a king in waiting. And here he is, I failed. Just let me stay alive, Lord. I still trust you. I still love you. How many have ever been there, man? Everything's went wrong. Man, why has God got me here? Why has God done this to me? But you're still saying, God, I still love you. I still trust you. I know you still have plans and you have purpose for my life. You're in good company. That's where David was. 
crying out in distress. And he says, You are my refuge, you are my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, those who are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness. He's beginning to turn the corner. Okay, now listen to the next psalm, Psalm 57. The subscript says, To the tune of, Do not destroy. This is the name of this song that he wrote. Do not destroy. Of David, when he was, when he fled from Saul into a cave. He was in the cave again. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. For in my soul, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Until the disaster has passed, I cry out to the Lord Most High. So God who fulfills His purpose for me. He's talking about God fulfilling His purpose in Him. Okay, He's starting to change, turn the corner and you're going to see this here. He sends from heaven and saves me. He rebukes those who boldly are, those who hotly pursue me. He sends His love and His faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spear and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the earth. Let it spread. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path to make me fall. But they have fallen in it themselves. My heart is steadfast. Now I want you to listen to this. That word steadfast there means fixed. And this is where David turns the corner. David said, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Now listen. David said, No matter what happens, my heart is fixed on you. No matter what happens, I will not take my eyes off of you. No matter what happens, I will never fear again. David resolves himself to stay fixed on God. David never fears again. David leaves this cave a fearless man. And he says, remember, he's in a cave alone. Awake, my soul. He says, I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. This is like guitar and musical instruments. Awake. He's like, come alive, man. He's all excited. And he's saying, God, I'm fixed on you. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory fill the earth. David's soul is beginning to be restored. David is beginning to get the joy of the Lord. David is beginning to understand there's nothing man can do to me. There's nothing man can do to me. Why am I fearing man? Why won't I fear God? And David began to cry out to God. David began to worship to God. David began to sing. David began to dance. He was sitting in a cave. And David began to worship his God. And you begin to see, go back to our original text in 1 Samuel 22. Watch what God does. Whatever happened in that cave, he's in the cave of Adullam, and we know that he's there alone there for a while, and we know that he's discouraged there for a while. We know that he's afraid there for a while. And we know by the end he's singing and dancing, right? And he's trusting God. Now it says, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, look who came to see David. Those who were in distress, those who were in debt, 
those who were discontented, they gathered around him. He became their leader or their captain, some of your versions say. About 400 men were with him. David started to draw people to himself. He began to worship God. He began to be fearless. He began to be a leader. Do you understand? The man walked into a cave, a madman, a man who was afraid, a man that could not stand up to anybody. He had previously been great, but now he had failed God. And God put him in a cave alone, put all the odds against him, and he said, finally, I'll trust you, God. Finally, I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. Some of you in your marriage relationship, it's time to say, I will trust you. Some of you in your jobs and your finances and your life in general, your friends, your social life, God is waiting for you to say, I'll trust you, God. God, I'll trust you. I'll lift my hands up. You say, well, I can't lift my hands up because I'm a sinner. God says, trust me. Put your hands up. Begin to worship me. Love me. Tell me that you know that I've forgiven you. Tell me that you know that I've died for you. God says, trust me with your sins. Are you brave enough to say, forgive me, God, I'll worship you? Are you brave enough to say, I'll live for God to your friends? God says, trust me, you will not lose. And David was trying to learn to be a king. And David got in this cave and became a leader. And God brings to him who? The great. He brought the mighty, right? He brought the greatest warriors in the land, right? No, God gave him the discontented. He gave him those that were in debt. He gave him those who were, what was the other one? The other one was distressed. Do you know somebody who's distressed all the time? It's like every time something goes wrong, they're distressed. I'm distressed. Get somebody on the line. I'm distressed. I'm distressed. I'm distressed. I'm distressed. David just overcame fear. You would think the last thing he would need was the distressed. But here's what happened. David wasn't distressed. David was full of the Holy Spirit. David began to change the distressed. David began to make pessimists optimists. David began to pour faith in the people that did not have it. David began to take the distressed. And guess what this group became? The most powerful fighting group that maybe ever lived. These men did greater things than David ever did. These men killed giants like David did, but multiple giants. One of the men killed 800 men by himself with a spear. He got in a battle and killed 800 men by himself. Okay, you may have done that already, but I've never done that. One man killed 300. They all killed giants. God took the distressed and made them mighty warriors because David was not afraid. David was fearless. And God gave him, who else did He give him? He gave him the in debt. You say, man, I just, church just has so many misfits. You just look around and you say, man, look at all these people that love God and praise God. We're all misfits, okay? We're all misfits. We all are in debt. And the greatest people in the house of God, He said, in fact, in the New Testament, He said, such were some of you. You know who Paul said the church was made up of when he said such was some of you? They were former homosexuals, he said. They were former sexually immoral. They were formerly drunkards, alcoholics. They were formerly drug addicts. Come on now, listen to what I'm saying. 
The whole New Testament is made up of uneducated fishermen. Okay, it was people that realized their indebtedness to God. People that understood that all I've got in this world is God. Give me Jesus and take the whole world and give me Jesus. These people were indebted. These people pledged themselves. Now I want you to see who David is a type of. David is a king in waiting. Did you hear what I'm saying? Jesus, everybody agrees that commentates the Bible. Jesus, David is a type of Jesus. It says he is a king in waiting. The Bible says that there is a kingdom right now. There is a kingdom that's marching through the land. It's the kingdom of God. And very soon, David was going to be king. Very soon, Jesus Christ is going to be the ruler of this world. All of these men, you know the one thing that all of them did? The indebted, the distressed, and the discontent. Man, how many people in church are discontent? I'm happy to say I'm discontent. I'm not happy to see the enemy. I'm not happy to see the Philistines rule. The Philistines are a picture of the enemy ruling this world, and I'm not happy about it. How many can say you're discontent with the way the world is right now? And God is looking for some men. They weren't mighty. They weren't great. They were misfits. They came to the cave, and you know what all of them did? The one thing they all had in common? They all bowed their knee and said, David, you are our captain. They bowed their knees to the captain, which is what some of your versions say, and the captain of the Lord's army in the Bible is who? The Bible mentions Jesus as the captain of the Lord's army. And what God is saying is, I'm calling you church. Wellspring, I'm speaking straight to you today. Wellspring is a church of misfits, okay? Wellspring is a church of people that have came from past, okay? People that have been forgiven, people that have been drug addicts, people that have been molested, people that have been alcoholics, people that didn't come from the right side of the tracks. And what God's saying is, I'm going to pour my spirit upon you. David's men, the same spirit that was poured upon David, do you understand this? The same spirit that was poured upon David was poured upon his men. They didn't kill 800 people because they were great warriors. They killed 800 people in one setting because they were anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus tells me in the Word of God that you will do greater things than I. The same Spirit that was upon Jesus Christ is upon this church. God has anointed this church. God took a bunch of shivering, distressed, fearful people and God turned it around and made them optimists who are David's mighty men. You understand, God's going to take us to a place where we came to God, we had a few victories, we went through some things. We sat alone. Have you ever sat there and you begin to work it out? You begin to work it out. God, I'm working this out in my heart. How can I go through this? How can I go through this? How could you do this to me, Lord? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Why am I going through this, Lord? Why is this so difficult? Why am I so afraid? Why am I doing all this? Because David had to be put in that spot to overcome his fear. And what God has done is He's taken us to that place. We've been serving God. We've been living for God. And now is the hour that God is saying, let me pour my spirit upon you. Bow your knee to me. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not David. I'm not the captain of the Lord's army. I'm one of His mighty men. 
Pastor Rod wasn't the captain of the Lord's army. He was one of God's mighty men. And he would tell you the same thing I'm telling you today. Bow your knee to the captain of the Lord's army and get ready to fight. Get ready to live for God like you've never lived for God. Be ready for God's Holy Spirit to be poured upon you because some of you are going to do works that are so mighty people will not believe it. You have no idea how many demons you set to flight by walking to work and being a Christian. You don't know how many lives you change by ministering your life to other people. You have no idea what impact you have on the kingdom, but God is going to set 800 people to flight by one man. He's going to do it for every one of us in here. If you'll live for God, if you'll have faith in God, if you'll never doubt God, if you'll go through the hard times with God, if you'll go through the difficult times with God, God's going to raise up mighty men and mighty women and He's going to do it out of the misfits. But all He's asking for you today, Ryan, you can come on up here. Two verses that I gave you last week. 2 Timothy 1.7 I did not... Give you a spirit to fear. So if God did not give you that spirit, who did? Because Saul lost the spirit of God, and guess what he had? An evil spirit of fear is what the Bible says. But I gave you a spirit of power, spirit of love, and of a sound Mind. God has not called you to fall apart and be a madman. God hasn't called you to freak out at any moment in your life. God has given you a sound mind. And when everything looks like there's no hope, you know what God says? I got this thing all figured out. I could actually do a whole sermon on every spot that David went to and how God had already worked it out. You know Moab, because of his great-grandmother, uh, Ruth and Boaz, he was able to take his family to Moab to be protected. And Moab was an enemy of Israel. You know that everything that happened in the city of Nob had been prophesied 50 years before. You know that everywhere that David went, it was almost like God made a bridge for him and as soon as he crossed it, it fell in. He just went from one place to another and God had been hundreds of years preparing David for every little place he took him. You say, well, if He did that for David, does He do that? For, he does it for you. There's nothing in your life that surprises God. When you don't have any answers, God is providentially ordering your life. The steps of the righteous are ordered. The other Scripture, and I'm going to close with this. 1 John 4.18 The Bible says, Perfect love casts out all fear.